Hi, this is Joel Applebaum, the Chief Content Officer for ERMI. And for over 40 years, ERMI has been an industry leader in educating and informing insurance and risk management professionals with subscription-based research and educational materials designed to improve your knowledge of insurance products and services. This podcast will focus on employment practices liability. What exposures are trending and how brokers and their insureds can best arrange coverage in today's market. My guests today are Rick Betterly, a leading consultant on professional liability markets and author of the Betterly Report from ERMI, which provides a series of market survey reports on six specialty insurance products, and also Sean Jordan, he is one of ERMI's senior research analysts and is responsible for all professional liability, management liability, and cyber products here at ERMI. He also holds his management liability insurance specialist, MLIS, certification. Rick and Sean, I'm excited to have you on the podcast today. Welcome. Thanks. It's great to be here, Joel. Thank you, Joel. Looking forward to it. Great. All right, Rick, let's get started with you. <laughs> uh, we should start out by explaining what employment practice liability insurance is and the six topics the Betterly Report covers. So that's a good place to start, Joel. Uh, so let's talk about employment practices liability. It, it, you know, the insurance line has been around a long time. It's 25 plus years. And the best way to summarize the coverage is that uh, it's the commercial insurance product that can cover liability arising from the employment process, including wrongful termination, discrimination, sexual harassment, retaliation, and miscellaneous inappropriate workplace conduct. These might include wage and hour violations, uh, defamation, invasion of privacy, and failure to promote. And it can also cover claims brought by third parties, such as service providers, if they allege discrimination, harassment, and similar actions. All right. Well, you know, we have uh, that, that's a lot, right? <laughs> we have, and we also have uh, you know six reports. So, can you give us a kind of a a flavor of what's in each report? Sure. So each report is on a specific subject and typically will run 75 to as much as 150 pages. And the, uh, the, the core of the report are exhibits of critical differences in the insurer's coverage, their market focus and their capacity. So there are a series of tables. Each of the insurance companies is in each of the tables and the tables focus on a certain general area of concern, for example, the coverage or the market focus or the contact information, uh, things such as that. So most of the content's in table form, but the reports start out with a 10 to 12 page discussion of current conditions for the product line and features of the product. We've been uh, researching and writing this, this report, the Employment Practices Liability Report, for each of the last 25 years, having started it back when it was a brand new exposure and coverage. Although most insureds and their brokers are pretty familiar with the coverage by now and for a long time perhaps, each policy form is different. So we strive to identify the differences in coverage and market focus important to insureds and their advisors. Attorneys, insurers, and consultants also find them helpful as they compare who offers what in terms of coverages, services, and market focus. But we mostly write the reports 
for the insureds and for their insurance brokers as they try to figure out which is the product that they should be buying. Uh, each report is pretty consistent in terms of, of what types of content we research. So each report will, it will include uh, the identification of the leading insurers in the individual product line and the customers that they focus on. They'll include detailed policy comparison charts, as I mentioned, citing critical differences in their policies, including coverage wordings, definitions, exclusions, and risk management services. Uh, the report will examine pricing and underwriting trends, the kind of information that we think that an insured uh, and or the insured's insurance broker would want to know before they go back out into the market. And the report will analyze the state of the market and growth opportunities. Uh, we generally are focusing in on uh, types of insurance policies that are, are not standardized. So the, not only is the policy language not non-standard, uh, but also pretty, pretty rapidly evolving. So we think that an annual deep dive on the research uh, makes a lot of sense. And that's why we started the Better Report 25 years ago. I should quickly mention the other five reports that we do. Uh, we do uh, probably our most famous report now, uh, an annual report on cyber and privacy coverage. We do a special version of that for healthcare insureds. Uh, we do a individual report on technology errors and omissions. We do a report on private company management liability, which of course could include DNO, employment practices, crime, and numerous other coverages. And we do a report on intellectual property and media liability coverages. Yeah. All of those sound like stuff that is a kind of for insurance world, a rapidly evolving coverages. So it's it's great to do that we do an annual deep dive on those. And it's also a great, you know, kind of way to start digging in, particularly to EPL, right, Rick? So your latest report on employment practices liability market, it, it just came out. Can you tell us some of the highlights of, of this report? Sure would, and the timing's perfect because we I think we're just publishing it as we speak. So there's a lot of material in these 90 plus pages, but I think that the three major highlights are, are the following. Uh, first of all, the pandemic. The pandemic uh, in terms of the employment practices liability coverage, there is uh, a lot of new employment practices exposure coming out of the response to COVID-19. You might think, well, how's that relate to discrimination, harassment, et cetera? Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit later in this podcast. Uh, second uh, of the three major highlights, a continued uh, emphasis on what most of us call the Me Too movement. It's still a huge issue that insurers are getting more assertive about in their risk selection. We've been querying the the insurers that participate uh, each year for the last few years on Me Too. And it's been interesting to see how their response has e evolved over those last few years. Again, we'll talk about that in a moment. And then the third major highlight, like most commercial lines rates are going up, but we actually think that they're going up more for EPL than they might for most of the um, other more core commercial lines uh, products. Cool. Um, exciting report. Let me bring my friend Sean in here to 
comment. I know he does an annual uh, analysis in the the risk report of the market that uh, that he covers. What market trends should insureds expect with their upcoming uh, EPL renewals, Sean? And what can they do about any potential challenges they may face given uh, the rate situation that Rick just mentioned? Well, thanks again, Joel. And um, you know, one thing I can say is that when we were doing our our last round of of market analysis, this is kind of to uh, complement some of the points that that Rick just made. Uh, the experts we reached out to, they had a number of different insights. Um, from a high level, they they were discussing a lot of volatility throughout the market, you know, which matches up with a lot of other commercial insurance lines. There were uh, renewal increases cited that really ranged anywhere from 20% all the way up to 100%, um, depending on the nature of the risk, claims history, geographic location, uh, factors like that. I think Rick may have some some information for us later on, uh, some more details on rate trends, but uh, also some capacity concerns uh, similar to the DNO market. We were starting to see a little bit of that, uh, nothing too monumental at the moment, but it is uh, on people's radar a little bit. And uh, some of the some of the challenges that the insurers are facing, we're looking at things like remote work, uh, return to office challenges, biometric privacy concerns. Um, wage and hour are kind of some of the overarching issues that uh, the market is dealing with. So as far as what insureds and, and really their brokers can do about it, it's important at the moment to, to kind of explore your options uh, with those renewal rates. Uh, it, it might be a good time to do that. Um, lean on your broker's expertise, obviously, ask them questions. And you know, if you are a broker, obviously present that expertise. And, um, you know, be familiar with any potential exclusionary language or sublimits. That's something for insureds to ask their brokers about. It's something for brokers to, to be proactive about conveying to their insureds. Um, and, you know, finally, what I'll, the last thing I'll add is the expectation should be set early from a broker's perspective. The insured should know the state of this market and uh, the renewal increases shouldn't be coming as a surprise uh, at this point in the cycle. Um, really, the market was kind of hardening before COVID, and the pandemic has, has really just accelerated it. So um, insureds should be made aware of what's coming far ahead of time, and um, brokers should really be getting a head start on uh, comparing offerings from different EPL insurers. That's some great insight. I like all of that advice, Sean. Rick, you kind of mentioned earlier when I talked about the three major highlights, COVID. Um, how is COVID, you know, dig in a little for our, our, our listeners here. How's it impacting the APL market? Sure. So you know, we're all digging in on that because this is, uh, you know, 100 plus years since we've had one of these. Um, so the insurance companies are, you know, trying to figure out what to do with it. But, but you know, here's what here's what I think they are thinking and seeing. So, so COVID and how it's impacting the market. I, I think insurers are really wary of the impact of the pandemic on EPL. Some examples: the whole work from home uh, movement. Work from home is not exactly new. Been a lot of work from home going on for the past bunch of years, and but there's so it's so much more pervasive now and in a in very different environment than we're used to. 
So what kind of what kind of issues from an exposure standpoint does that lead to? Well, one is the indirect supervision of workplace behavior. Supervisors that might have picked up on something when they're working, you know, shoulder to shoulder, face to face with a team. Oh, is that as effective when you're on Zoom and only Zoom? Um, probably not. I, I, I think there's a lot that we don't learn when we only have the distant audiovisual connection with, with our fellow human beings. Um, wage and hour tracking. Uh, folks that are working from home that are uh, entitled to be paid based on the hours that they're working. Uh, it's a little different than when they're working in the office. And then it's something that sort of, you know, is in, on my mind is we hear a lot about the disparate impact uh, on, on, you know, female employees who, who may be caregivers. Uh, they might be, I, I suggest mothers, but also they might have, um, you know, parents they're taking care of or other people they're taking care of. And, you know, that work of being a caregiver doesn't necessarily stop during the workday. So if they have caregiver responsibilities that's affecting their work, is there anything from an employer standpoint that, you know, you know, A, should they be doing to help out? And, and B, what is the liability impact? Um, you know, another bullet on the COVID impact is downsizing the workforce. Unfortunately, a, a lot of industries are going to be suffering cuts in employment. And uh, if there's one thing we know from the past, it's a, a happy employee uh, is, is unlikely or a lot less likely to bring a lawsuit. Uh, and if you have um, former employees slash unhappy employees, scared employees, you're more likely to have a deterioration in, the, in your uh, uh, in your you know exposure and therefore liability. And then uh, difficulty in measuring and rewarding performance. I mean, it, it's just a whole lot more difficult in a distance working work from home environment, I think, than when you're seeing. Um, you know, and interacting with people personally. So that's the COVID part. And it is probably more. Sean mentions biometrics, which I, I certainly agree with that observation as well. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, mom and dad's working from home and and the other responsibilities that, that they might have uh, there, can I can definitely see that conflicting with work. And and those are some great insights from both you and Sean. I know that Sean, you know, you attend um, a lot of educational events, actually, um, including the PLUS conference and others. Um, and, you know, as author and editor of our DNO Compass newsletter, um, I've, I've read some of your great and insightful articles, but I also know that you have recently talked about the Me Too uh, movement, uh, you know, and so I'm just wondering from, you know, everything you're seeing out there as the Army expert, any signs of it speeding up, slowing down? Where's well, it at uh, right now? <laughs> right. The, the short answer is it is not showing signs of slowing down. Um, as far as the longer answer to that, uh, you know, as you mentioned, I, I tap into a lot of statistical sources here and, and um, info sources in my work with ERMI. And one of the things that's always on my radar is the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission and the enforcement statistics that, that they put out. So, you know, we haven't quite made their, their press release of the fiscal year 2020 numbers. 
Um, but what we saw with the fiscal year 2019 results was was pretty telling. Um, what caught my eye was that charges filed with the EEOC for discrimination on the basis of sex were a higher proportion of the total charges with the EEOC than they've ever been. Uh, 32% of all discrimination charges that were filed with the EEOC involved um, discrimination on the basis of sex in, in fiscal year 2019. So, I mean, maybe even more telling than that is the, the EEOCs that are specifically related to, to sexual harassment. Um, so the, the number of sexual harassment charge receipts, they, they've stayed pretty stable if you look at kind of a 10-year chart of how many of these types of sexual harassment receipts the EEOC is, is getting. But what's interesting is that the monetary benefits from these receipts, it was all the way up to $68 million in fiscal year 2019. And so how does that compare to prior years? Well, if you look at uh, back in 2014, it's almost double of what the monetary benefits were in that year. And that, I mean, that isn't that long ago. It feels like ancient history right now, but it's not. Um, and the other thing is these these monetary benefit statistics from the EEOC, uh, they actually don't even include the benefits that are obtained through litigation. So you can imagine um, how much more money is being paid out through that avenue. So the you know the EEOC data is just one type of glimpse into the the Me Too picture, but I think when you dig into the to the numbers, it really shows that this is not fading away, and um, more and more dollars are being paid from different um, legal avenues. So, real quickly too, the last thing I'll mention is the increased focus on um, mandatory arbitration in employment agreements. Uh, this is something that the me Too movement has kind of put a spotlight on, and more companies are moving away from mandatory arbitration as a result. You know, they're not requiring their employees to enter into these agreements that say they will they will arbitrate. And so, with lots of companies wanting to distance themselves from mandatory arbitration, um, I think it just means more and more workers will have all different kinds of legal avenues open to them when it comes to uh, a Me Too type of allegation. Cool. Rick, give us a quick take on how you think it's impacting the market. Yeah. Um, you know, Me Too and EPL is very much a sort of a cultural change sort of impact in a line of insurance. So, you might have the same level of activity, but the cost of that activity is higher because the settlements are higher and the judgments are higher. So here's what here's what we're hearing from the insure, in, insurance companies uh, regarding Me Too. Uh, many more insurers are scrutinizing renewals and limiting uh, their offered coverage. Uh, in other words, they reported to me last year and the year before yeah, we're paying more attention to it. And I don't mean it that informally, but in, in other words, not so specifically. And this year, there were far more responses, which are all confidential to me, far more responses about specific actions that they, the underwriters, are taking to you know, protect against um, insureds who have worse than average Me Too exposure. Um, and they're also uh, limiting coverage offerings to specific types of insureds 
or more likely not not interested in certain classes of insureds. So that that is industry classifications. You know, certain industries are going to find it tough to buy EPL insurance, um, but also ownership and leadership issues. If the owner slash leader is a celebrity, you know, they're a celebrity because of Hollywood type celebrity, or they're a celebrity because they're a a famous CEO or a very, very wealthy person. Uh, insurers may be wary of offering coverage. A, a number of insurers will say, we do not want that kind of an insured because they are they are such a target. So we do identify in, in this year's report those you know classes that are uh, that are, are difficult to to uh, to get EPO insurance for uh, insurer by insurer. Great. One of my biggest takeaways from this podcast is that rate trends are scary. So give us a few more insights into rate trends, if, if you can. Just one last quick hit before we end. Absolutely. It's been a long time since I said uh, it's a really difficult market. Uh, I'm saying it now. Uh, EPL renewals will be tougher than they've been in many years. Higher rates, possibly higher deductibles. Uh, in some classes, um, and special higher retentions for mass claims uh, that some carriers are are making use of. And remember that these comments are over and above the general industry trend toward higher commercial rates. I'm not saying, oh my gosh, it's a catastrophe, but you know, a 20% rate increase after a decade and a half of moderate rate increases is is really startling. Wow. Very awesome. I want to thank both of you for being my guest today on the Army podcast. You guys were great. Appreciate it. Um, I also want to tell listeners that, you know, this EPL report is uh, hitting the presses soon. And also keep an eye out for the next one, which will be published in February of 2021, which is Technology Errors and Omissions. And it you know, the listeners want to get a free demonstration of the Betterly Report, they can get that at ermi.com. They can also learn more about our MLIS uh, certification, the Management Liability Insurance Specialist. And we have plenty of other great free resources like the DNO Compass newsletter that I talked about. And you can find all of those on ermi.com. Thanks for listening. Be safe and be well, everyone.